Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow dietitian. I'm a coach to my fellow female colleagues all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that focus on sales. Welcome. I am here today with Amy Giannotti, a uh, sports dietitian, personal trainer, and yoga teacher from Melbourne, Australia. And she has worked in the health and fitness industry for over 10 years. Amy thought she was following all the right signs for health and fitness. She has the abs, was eating healthy, and was very successful in sports, including qualifying for the Australian triathlon team in her age group. With a type A perfectionist personality, she always did the best, but there was always one sign that deep down told her things were not quite right. She was not getting her period. Amy did not have a period for seven years. The journey to recovering her period, otherwise known as hypothalamic amenorrhea, was the most challenging yet rewarding journey of her life. It took her on a path of uncovering limiting self-beliefs of I'm not special enough that were laid down after challenging childhood events that were driving destructive behaviors. She was forced to let go of her ego or identify as Amy the runner, triathlete, fit girl, and hardworking, which she feared most. Although letting go resulted in an enormous transformation, self-discovery, and finding her inner peace. Through this experience, Amy uncovered how harmful and how common our innocent pursuit for thinness and performance has become and how off track we are with it aligning and enhancing health and happiness, especially when it comes to dieting, where we are told to ignore our bodies. This journey transformed Amy on a personal and professional level. Prescribing weight loss no longer felt ethical. Amy found confidence to niche down to help others overcome disordered eating, compulsive exercise, and guiding them to reconnect and trust their bodies. She is also extremely passionate about raising awareness that no period is not okay and helps her clients overcome fears of making healthy behavior changes to recover their period and fertility. Welcome to today's episode. Can you fill in some gaps and, and let me know what I missed in the intro? I think you did a great job. Thank you so much for the introduction and thanks uh, for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. And if you could just let everybody know where they can find you for your website, Instagram and podcast. Uh, my podcast is Healthy Life Redefined. Uh, my website is www.eatingfit.com.au and my Instagram is Amy Lee Giannotti. You might have to put that in the show notes because uh, everyone's going to stuff the spelling up. I will absolutely, everything will be in the show notes and I will shout you out on Instagram and make sure everybody knows <laughs> who you are. And if they don't already get reacquainted and um, really dive deep in, into your story. So I wanted to just, well, first of all, can you share the wonderful new news with the audience? Because I think that's another great opening as, as far as your journey. Yes, it definitely has been a journey. I am 14 weeks and five days pregnant today. So very, very excited now into the second trimester and I'm actually feeling more energized at the moment. So I think that's quite normal. But yeah, I think for a lot of people, there is that part of them is like, oh, is everything still okay? Because I'm not feeling as pregnant. But anyway, apparently it's normal. So <laughs> just trust in the process. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I, uh, for those of you who do or don't follow Amy, make sure to check her out on social because she tells the story and introduces you to the news on social. And it's been really fun to, to see that. So I'm excited uh, for you. 
Yeah. Thank you. All right. So let's kick off the episode with letting us know a little bit about your nutrition philosophy. So for me, I believe your relationship with food is far more important than any diet. So I help people to restore a healthy relationship with food and body. And in doing so, we also address their relationship with exercise. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, anything that you want to add to that? Or do you want to kind of talk a little bit about maybe your ideal client and who you prefer to work with? Like kind of talk to them about your philosophy and help work them through your methodology? Yeah, so my ideal client is, or the the people who I work with now, people with disordered eating, eating disorders, and I have a special interest with helping people to recover from hypothalamic amenorrhea, let's just call it HA, which is a loss of period. In the beginning, I started off trying to offer everything, trying to be everything. I invested a lot of time and money in doing more courses and increasing my range of qualifications, thinking that that would build my confidence in some way and then I'm going to attract more clients. So yeah, I've done a lot of additional training. I'm a personal trainer, running coach, strength and conditioning coach, yoga teacher. I've done many different courses from intuitive eating, you know, the list goes on and, you know, it's great and it's been great for my personal story as well, but I really need to go back to my My last assessment in my Masters of Dietetics, it was the first time ever I got 100%. (laughs) And the assessment task was to, it was on, it was a written and an oral presentation presenting an area of dietetics. So I chose private practice and um, we spent some time uh, researching that area and I did something called information interviewing, which is really helpful. So essentially you just go and talk to other dietitians or people that you really aspire to to be like and ask them a whole range of questions from, you know, what do you like about your job? What don't you like? How much do you get paid? How do you set up health insurance? How much is your rent? How did you negotiate this, that, like all that stuff. So that just gave me so much confidence in starting up my own private practice from like the day I left university or was actually setting it up as I was finishing, to be honest. And my assignment, which I got the 100% for was I rocked up into the room with a Superman costume on and I had a massive big radio on my shoulder that I was carrying in and I had a tie. So it was pretty much showing that you have to be superwoman to be a private practice dietitian because you need to have the dietetic skills and obviously the counselling skills, but you need to have the business skills. So I pretended that I was putting the class through a um, through like a boot camp and, yeah, that was it, it scored me a hundred percent. So that was pretty awesome. But I think like I knew that from the beginning and having my own experience as a personal trainer as well, I knew the importance of, you know, business skills, but I think I just got a little bit lost um, when I started setting up my private practice and just got too caught up in trying to learn more to, to get a bit more confident. Yeah. And I think that that's so relatable for so many of us, including myself, that, you know, you get all the qualifications and then it can sometimes hold you back from also just taking action. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I appreciate that, that your reflection. Do you happen to have a picture from the Superwoman costume that I can share with my audience? Because that's really fun. I'll try and find it. I'm sure there's a little selfie in my iPhone. I think there might be something. Yeah. So I'll (laughs) go back through the years and find find that image. yeah, I remember hiring the costume from a costume shop and then borrowing one of my husband's ties. 
<laughs> so Very yeah, fun idea. I really I love that story. Creative and probably like really emotionally compelling, right? For the people who are there to be a part of that experience and get them thinking about what the skills are needed to, to really dive into private practice. <laughs> yeah. So if you could walk us through how you have evolved, I understand that you, you know, have a robust background in, you know, in, in athletics and in, in personal training and in dietetics. How have you evolved to working with who you do now and getting more clear with your message to market yourself? Well, I think because where I started, so I was, I still had my business as a personal trainer and I was decided to go straight out to private practice because I thought, you know, I can do 50-50. And a lot of my first clients were, my first dietetic clients were my current clients and then other personal trainers clients. So I kind of was already in the health and fitness industry. And I also set it up, set up my private practice in a Pilates space. So a lot of people who wanted to come and see me wanted my help to help them to lose weight. So that was why people were paying me. So I just fell straight into that. And, you know, it was paying the bills and, you know, we got taught how to do that at university. So that was a huge part of what I did. And I made recipe books and told people how to ignore their hunger and to reduce all the calories. And, uh, you know, even had an ebook that I had, you know, tips on tricking your appetite hormones. Like, oh my God, that is so embarrassing now. <laughs> but as time went on, there was part of me that knew that I was doing something, you know, like I was praised for, you know, the work I was doing and I did well in sport and I had a lot of great opportunities come up with, you know, the pathway I took. But there was a part of me that never really felt honest or right. I never had a clinically diagnosed eating disorder myself, but looking back in childhood, I definitely did have some concerning behaviors that I just thought I fixed myself, but yeah, never really seeked help. But anyway, I didn't have a period for seven years. And that was that part of me that kind of always felt a bit guilty that I was prescribing weight loss and yeah, not having a period myself. So uh, that when I finally decided to take action and get my period back, that was a huge transformation personally and professionally. And through all the, like through that journey of learning that I had these food rules and I was, you know, quite like addicted to exercise and it was really, I was really scared to gain weight and to give up that exercise identity. I realized that was a big problem and I realized how common it was. So to help me keep myself accountable, I actually did a post on social media to just be honest and share people what I'm going through and this is my plan for the future and a big part of me thought that people would unfollow me and you know think I was a fraud and all of those scary things but I knew that I couldn't just carry on with my Instagram and my life and yeah I just had to be honest with social media so that helped me keep me accountable and I also knew deep down that other people would be experiencing this thing so yeah I think the social media helped me keep me accountable. And I learned a lot about other people going through this process as well. And then really dived into that area and, you know, intuitive eating and the non-diet approach. And it was a huge eye-opening process. And it's kind of like, once you see something, there's no going back. And once you understand the damage uh, or the consequences, I suppose, of prescribing weight loss diets, you, you just feel very unethical. And obviously from my own personal experience as well. Sure. And, and if you could just like hone in a little bit also on, 
you sharing your personal experience and even getting more narrow with intuitive eating? Because I know you were at intuitive eating and now you, you know, you focus also on uh, intuitive eating and for eating disorder, disordered eating. And you also do touch a lot on helping women like, you know, get their period back or, or for pregnancy. So that evolution of your niche, how has that helped you get clients or at least just share your story and build the know, like, and trust? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, essentially, I see intuitive eating is opposite to dieting. So dieting tells us we can't trust our body and we need to rely on external rules like timing we should eat, types and volumes of food we should eat, calorie count or calorie targets we should eat to. So pretty much diets tell us we can't trust our body and we need to rely on external rules or guides to tell us how, when, and what to eat. Um, Intuitive eating is like the opposite. It tells us we can trust our body Um, and dieting is the number one risk factor for developing an eating disorder and everyone who has well most people who have lost their period it would come from a place of ignoring their body so through dieting and over exercise and those kind of things so part of the journey to recover your period initially sometimes because our appetite can be quite blunted and um, we've been ignoring our bodies for so long there is this phase of like recovery eating which is really important to have professional help with that um, such as with a dietitian but then through that journey then it kind of moves into intuitive eating where you do trust your body yeah a lot of people who I work with don't trust their body to tell them when what and how much to eat and they have they, they rely on these external rules to tell them you know when to eat and if they break a food rule it results in immense guilt. Um, and because of these food rules, that leads to restriction, which is precursor for binge eating as well. Yeah. And with your message and how you're able to relate to these women and be able to help them, how do you feel your story or getting more clear with your story has connected with those women? Do you feel that sharing your journey, and I know your, you know, some of your posts on Instagram and your general theme, and even you know when you talk about getting pregnant, how has that evolved or helped people know, like, and trust you and then get them to want to work with you? Uh, because I know what it's like to feel anxious around food and say no to opportunities because you're fearful of the food that will be served, saying no to opportunities because you might not be able to fit your training in or you're too worried about how you'll fit your training in. Yeah, so I understand what it's like. For a lot of my clients who have those food rules, I understand the fear of weight gain, understand, you know, the fear of not being a mum one day. So I really want to help people to kind of get to where, or help them go through what I have. You know, I know everyone's journey and story is different, but we share a lot of the same themes. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And on your journey towards, you know, helping women, building your brand and um, being, you know, representing uh, what you do and your space, what do you wish you would have learned earlier or when you were starting out in your business entrepreneurial journey? That just because you're a dietitian doesn't mean that your job has to require prescribing weight loss diets. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us, when we're fresh out of uni, think that that's what we have to do, especially um, you know, the course that I did many years ago, I'm sure things are starting to change. And again, success in private practice requires the business skills plus the dietetic and counselling skills. You know, the more qualifications you're trying to offer and the more services you're trying to offer, I think really dilutes your speciality. You know, if I saw someone with 
10 specialities, then I'll think, well, you can't really be an expert in that area because you're offering too many things. So absolutely. Um, I, I agree with that. And the other thing, not that I wish I, this isn't really answering your question, but it might be advice for the listeners is if they're, they have a goal to want to get into private practice, but they think that they need to do maybe clinical practice first or go and do some other job um, to get their experience. The information interviewing is so powerful and so valuable. So it essentially is just connecting with other dietitians and getting some questions pre-prepared and just simply asking them. You can record it on your phone if you like, so you can get all the details. And because you've got like the student card, <laughs> you can just ask exactly what you want. You know, how much is your rent? How much do you charge? How many cancellations do you have? I don't know. All those questions that maybe five years into your private practice, when you're seen as a competitor, that person might not want to ask or might, yeah. might not want to answer. So creating community early on so that you can basically. Um, build those skills earlier, right? And and not wait till it's too late. Oh, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. And um, if you could just walk us through your experience using social media to grow your business, anything that you've learned recently applied or like how that helps you get leads and sales? Well, I started social media or I started my Instagram account, I think five or six years ago. And that was all about sharing my journey, largely about training and performance. So, you know, it was videos and photos of me running, riding, cycling, lifting weights, and just pretty much showing off how much I could lift or how fast I was running or how far I rode or swam. Um, It did build an audience, but um, it definitely wasn't business. Like I wasn't looking at it as a business tool. Now what I've learned is it's not about me. It's about them. So especially for my client, you know, for me to be putting images or videos of me at the gym all the time, that's not going to be the best message or, you know, content that my ideal client needs in that moment. So for them, that might be, they might be really struggling to step back on exercise. And then me posting about exercise and how good I am in the gym or whatever is probably going to make them feel more guilty because they're not doing it or whatever. I definitely see Instagram now as a business tool. Thanks to you, Libby. (laughs) And it's, yes, the likes, uh, you know, can give you some information, but every post I'm looking at the insights. I am looking at the likes, but what I care about is the link clicks, you know, things like did they send it on to others or did they save it? Some other, you know, key insight um, things that I'm looking for. You know, I'm not like, for example, if I got 10 link clicks, that's a good post versus if I got zero link clicks, but you know, three times the amount of likes, then, um, you know, less likes, but more link clicks is obviously going to be better because that means they're clicking on a, um, clicking on the link to make a discovery call with me. And that's what I'm, I want them to do. So my purpose on Instagram is to increase opportunities to talk to my client in a discovery call and then convert them to a paying client. Love it. And yes, there's a great example about really getting deep and understanding a post and how it can help you get a sale or get a, a you know prospect to hop on a call and then book a sale, which is how you use Instagram. Can you give us an example or maybe like walk us through how you now view Instagram 
differently than when you did either before we started working together or just in the past with context to either people finding you or just clarity with having it be a tool to drive traffic to the sales call? Like, are there any specific things that you look at differently or is it just like as a tool, how is it used now? Is it just the vanity metrics or would you say it's planning strategy? Like what about it has transformed and then, you know, you can look at the outcome either in sales or more people applying to work with you. Um, Well, it's about really getting to know my ideal client and I use it as like market research as well. So through, you know, knowing how popular or how well a post works, that's learning about my ideal client and the questions that I ask, you know, through like the polls, the open questions, the closed questions. And that gives me a lot of information. So for example, I might ask a question about what is your biggest fear in taking your first step in recovering your period? And, you know, an answer, which is quite common is fear of weight gain or fear of stopping exercise. So learning, like listening to my audience and those pain points or those fears that are getting in the way to taking action is what I use to um, use in my posts to help to kind of build that trust that I can help them. Amazing. So powerful. So you're using Instagram as a tool to learn how they view your service or, you know, your philosophy, and then you use that information to drive future decisions. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, your quote is, uh, you know, building the know, like, and trust. So yeah, people need to know about you. So you've got a bigger audience and, you know, you're talking to more people. That's going to be obviously effective. People have got to like you, so they've got to connect to you, so you've got to show up, you've got to be honest. It's not about having a full face of makeup all the time. You've got to talk about the good times and the bad times and, you know, you've got to be consistent. You can't just do a post every two weeks. Um, and then, yeah, with the trust, it's it's being a bit vulnerable and being authentic. Um, and like I have shared my journey with, you know, for example, not having a period for so long. Um, I shared my journey getting my period back and the food rules that I identified and the little challenges that I created for myself. Um, I shared when I fell pregnant the first time and I had a miscarriage and, you know, the feelings I was experiencing then and, you know, obviously to where I am now and pregnant again. So people have just been on the journey with me for a long time. So I think that's important as well. Like I do it in a, a smart way. So it's not, you know, a, back in the old day about sharing my journey again, but you know, what is the purpose of this post? Um, Yeah. So clarity on the journey in context to the ideal client, right? So it's just a little bit more maybe focused. And with that story, you, I love how, well, I love your story. I love how you share your story, but I also notice a lot of the listeners and, and other clients, they really struggle with vulnerability. So what has helped you share your story given that, you know, you've talked about having miscarriage and you've talked about, you know, struggling with like, you know, body image and eating habits and patterns and that, that can be a really intimate conversation. So what's helped you put that out there? I think I've just learned that being vulnerable is just a way to connect with others. Like no one's perfect. Yeah. Um, And if you're, you know, having all these only happy, perfect photos all the time, people can't really connect with you. You know, you might not have to be going through the exact same experience as them, for example, a miscarriage, but it could be another experience that is felt quite, you know, in a similar way. So that, you know, feeling like your dreams have been taken away from you or being just kicked in the guts or like that shock or, um, you know, trying to, you know, find courage that you can, you can keep going or, you know, whatever it is. But 
yeah. you don't have to go into all the, the details too much if some things are a bit too personal, but yeah, just, just being open. Yeah. And well, that's beautiful. You're setting a great example for those of us who struggle with vulnerability and I, we all have a story and I, I know it's hard for people to tell their story. So thank you for sharing how open you are about telling your story and how it does help you build the know, like, and trust, get clear with your ideal client, you know, attract more leads and then turn them into clients. Like that's what the listeners want to do and they want to see other people, dietitians doing it. So I I love that you're role modeling that. But I've got to say, um, you know, there is times that it's not as often now, but especially in the beginning when I started posting this my story and I was talking about periods all the time and yeah. um, all these things that I was like, oh, I hope my dad's not reading this or I hope my auntie's not reading this or, you know, things like that. Yeah. But I just had to look at the bigger purpose and, you know, they, you know, they love me, <laughs> but still I just, it's just, you know, family can pick on you or I don't yeah. know. It, there I, is. I, <laughs> and it takes a, you know, a strong growth mindset to be able to look past that because a lot of us feel that way. Like what if, you know, someone saw it and it offended them or, you know, and that's where the whole, you're talking, you're not talking to everybody, you're talking to one person concept comes in. But what I noticed that dietitians struggle with is being able to move past it and say, oh, you know, my dad or someone will see this and it's embarrassing, but I'm still going to post it. So I love that you're sending that message saying you thought that, but you still posted it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And now it becomes more fluid, right? So it's not as maybe uncomfortable or awkward as it once was, knowing that that bigger purpose is being fulfilled and that you're helping people. And and, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. If If you could tell us a little bit about what you offer and maybe a little bit about how that's evolved in your, in your practice. Uh, well, if you visited visited my website a year or two ago, you would have just probably been so confused because there's so many different services and maybe it was all just too overwhelming and you'll just go find someone who's just more simple. <laughs> but um, so, uh, yeah, in the past it was trying to offer um, packages, sorry, not packages, but services <laughs> for like a sports dietetics, for, so for like athletes, recreational and elite athletes, for I had... Um, lifespan nutrition so that's another whole massive market as well and then I had chronic disease I think it was so it was just like everything (laughs) Um, but now um, as I mentioned earlier it's just disordered eating and eating disorders and in that same niche is the um, helping people to get their periods back Um, I offer one-on-one coaching um, and that was a big thing (laughs) and I'm so happy that you helped me with that actually So instead of offering just single sessions, um, I'm offering packages of six sessions now and that's um, working really well. I wish I did that so long ago. I'm also working on a small group coaching program. So um, I haven't, that's, that is on my website now um, and available, but it's, um, haven't had my first proper one yet. And then an online course is coming too. I also offer workshops for corporates, fitness communities and schools. Um, I've always loved getting out and talking to people. It's a great way to, you know, learn from others and practice your speaking skills and definitely to increase your audience. You know, I've found from those talks that I have not necessarily just got them as clients, but they might have mentioned to their wife or to another friend who didn't make it that, oh, you know, you should see this girl. So, you know, 
that's another way to yeah increases your visibility yeah fantastic and i also love how you use social media to show images and you know clips from when you speak in workshops because that can further support your visibility strategy and people know and see you as a speaker so mm. yeah that's smart and then if we could just talk for a moment about your transition from single session to packages i know you said that to a different model. And you said that you wish you would have done that earlier. Can you talk about how that impacts twofold? So both your business bottom line, uh, just, you know, if you've seen an increase in revenue and then also the, the client experience, right? They're being serviced and provided for, and they have like a better, if you could just let, talk a little bit about how that's affected the two. Well, in reflection, I think I was just trying to offer too much in an initial consultation. So I mm-hmm. was spending up to an hour on their initial questionnaire before I would see them. I got them to do a food diary. I was doing a nutrition analysis and, you know, it was an average of an hour, sometimes, you know, more that I was spending on yep. a, for a new client. And I would spend at least an hour and a half with them on that first session, which is so long really. And I was trying to give them every, everything in one session. And on reflection now, I think it's just too much, you know, <laughs> I was, it's just too bombarding and giving them too many things to do is they just felt like they couldn't really succeed. So I found that a lot of my clients were cancelling their booked in review because they felt like they hadn't done everything yet and they didn't, you know, they said, oh, I'll just wait until I do better and then I'll rebook. Yeah. So there's that part. I was just, the way I was going about it, it just wasn't smart. Um, I was just trying to do everything. And then in terms of like, income or number of sessions per week, it meant that I had to try and sell, you know, let's just say I'm trying to get 15 to 20 a week or whatever. It's like trying to sell that many sessions per week versus if you're selling a pack of six, then it's like, you know, you're selling times that by six and that's how many sessions that you've just sold. (laughs) And that helps with planning, kind of knowing what money is going to be coming in or Actually, most of them pay up front, but there is a payment plan plan option. Mm -hmm. Um, But it helps me to uh, just connect with people who are really dedicated as well and, um, yeah, and build a really good relationship with them. And knowing that I'm going to see them for six sessions, I don't have to give them all the information and try and fix them in one session, which was too uh, stressful for me because I always wanted to do really well and do my best. So if I didn't feel like I was finished, then... Oh, I would be keeping in keeping them in there for two hours because yeah. I just wanted to give them everything. And then I would, you know, spend time after the session, giving them some recipe ideas and uh, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's better pacing now. And then I love how you also mentioned that you can forecast revenue, which is going to help you um, understand your offers and your, you know, how you can spend your time in the future and really what you need to focus on given how much money you're making and and what your goals are and how you're, you know, reaching or exceeding your goals. Um, So I think that's uh, really great that you're able to share that that has been transformative, both for the client and their experience and for your business's bottom line. Um, So I'm very, very proud of you to be able to to say that and own it and, and share that story. And, you know, I just wanted to touch just the last uh, couple questions. What tools have helped you create better boundaries as you manage multiple things? I know you're doing speaking and, and you've got the coaching and the group program and the future course coming in. In addition to you know personal things going on, how do you how do you manage it all? Well, an online booking diary works well. 
you know, because people could only book in times that I am available. So, you know, I have time that I want to go to the gym, walk my dog, have lunch, you know, I want to be finished by a certain time so I can get dinner prepared for my husband. So that helps me to not take on too much. Uh, so that's really important. And that system that I use for my booking system sends automated text and email reminders because, you know, back in the day I was sending individual text messages just to um, confirm your session tomorrow. <laughs> that was a lot of a, that was a huge waste of time. <laughs> and so that's one big one. Uh, my website, although it's, you know, taken a lot of time and it's obviously cost money, that helps a lot in terms of like invoices that are mm-hmm. automa- automatically um, created. Yep. I've got questionnaires that are already linked into it. So if someone purchases a coaching program with six sessions, they will have one initial questionnaire and five kind of follow-ups. So they fill that in at least a day before and then that's already on my website and that's all automated. So one of the key questions is, you know, what would you like to focus on in our next session? So, you know, it just, and what, you know, what else has come up that you'd like to work on and, you know, questions like that. So that helps me almost to refresh my memory and to be really hone in on what they want to get out of these sessions. And you I have, have that, you have that system down. So you're automating, you're using an online tool to schedule, you're using an EMR and you use uh, Clinico. Is that, is that what you, and, Clinico. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so those are all great things to share uh, with the listeners. Cause a lot of us, I know a lot of dietitians, they aren't sure if they should use an EMR um, and you know, electronic medical record system to you know be able to work with patients or clients and do invoicing and scheduling. So I love that you're saying you used to send the individual text messages and obviously that's not scalable, right? So it's your way of communicating in the short term, but then you're able to automate that invoices communication and then focus more on the marketing, right? Or, or give them a standardized experience so that you're doing it at maybe it's a set time, right? So 24 hours before a reminder or something of that nature without having to think too much. Yeah, and there's always things that I'm trying to, yeah, do a little bit smarter. Like definitely the invoices because invoice was in, creating invoices is so boring, and yeah, um, it was one of the last things that you want to do. And one thing that I learned is when I'm working with people from outside Australia, then obviously they don't get charged GST. So my mm-hmm. website was charged charging GST. So I had to make some tweaks with my website. So now it recognizes where the customer is coming from. And then if it's not from Australia, then they're not charged GST. So it's just yep. little things like that, that you're always refining. Absolutely. And as you evolve, you refine those too. And GST, for those of you listening who are not from Australia, that's an Australian thing, right? A tax yeah, thing. It's like tax. Australia. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So final question before we hop off here, Amy, what has been your biggest fear around charging either more money, any money or a higher rate uh, for your services? Um, I think we touched on this before, but it was the fear of not getting clients that, you know, too many people would say no. (laughs) And then I realized, thanks to you and our conversations that, you know, people will say no, because there will be a lot of people who can't afford it um, or they just think it's out of their price range or um, too overpriced, whatever, but you don't need that many clients. Like there is so many um, potential clients out there, like millions or, you know, so many people all over the world and I don't need that many of them. So it's, you know, by, you know, with my marketing and with the content on my social media and through the, the discovery calls that I set up, then I, 
helped to find my ideal client and um and yeah they they know that there is going to be obviously a cost um sometimes it is too much for them um but that's why i'm looking at having a lower cost option which is the small group program absolutely yeah Thank you. So this has been so wonderful to talk to you as always and share your message. Thank you for talking about your transformation and your story. And we'll link all of your information in the show notes below. Is there any kind of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with today? I would just have to say, don't be afraid in afraid of investing in a business coach because, um, you know, we spend so much money on other areas. Like a lot of people are willing to spend money on a PT or, um, you know, a mentor in another area, but we fail to recognize the value of um, having someone to support us with our, with our business and to keep you accountable. Like, you know, because a lot of the time we just want to see the good stuff and we can get really good at just ignoring the stuff that we're not good at. And, you know, in the end, you're just going to feel like very unfulfilled. So it's good to have someone to, yeah, keep you accountable. Fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing that with us and your story. And uh, it's been wonderful chatting. Thanks, Libby. Thank you for listening. The next step to continue pursuing your journey includes applying to my next group program. You can find that on my website under group coaching and apply. You can also grab my free workbook. Also listen on my website and go through the exercises so that you can get more clear with your marketing plan, which is going to help you get one step closer to creating the money and impact that you deserve.